Hello everyone, welcome to an all new Process Mining Cafe. Uh, today I'm joined here by three guests and let me start by introducing them to you. Our first guest today is um, Pnina Sofa. And Pnina, hi Pnina, thank you for joining us. Pnina is uh, head of the information system department at Haifa University. Thanks. For Professor, yes, yes, yes. Um, okay, uh, our second guest uh, is Barbara Weber, and Barbara is full professor for software systems programming and development at the University of St. Gallen. Hi, Barbara. And also joining us is uh, Francesca Terbato, um, who's postdoctoral researcher at the Institute for Computer Science at the University of St. Gallen. Hi, hi, Francesca. <laughs> Thank you all for, for joining us. Today we will be looking at research from a very interesting angle and a little bit of an unusual angle. And before we start with that, I just want to remind you all that you can talk to us while we are um, in the Prosmining Cafe session live here. So just below the video where you are seeing us right now, you can uh, enter the chat. You don't need an account or anything. You just type your name and um, presenter and then you're in the chat and we will keep an eye on the chat and um, pick up your comments and questions um, throughout the sessions. To briefly show, just to illustrate a little bit the context in, in which we're looking at this. So for example, when we're giving trainings or talking about like a typical cross-mining project, we often have these 12 steps um, yeah, that are that will uh, appear in a moment on, on the slides uh, for you to see, where there's always yeah, many different steps that people have to go through, um, which um, are, it starts basically by the process selection, and then you make a project plan, and then you define the analysis questions. You also think about privacy, and then maybe an ethical charter can be drawn up. Then, of course, you have to extract the data. You have to look whether the data is suitable, maybe transform the data, validate the data, make sure the data quality is good. We just had a Prosmanic Cafe last month about this uh, area. And then comes the explorative and the targeted analysis. And in the explorative analysis, people first uh, try to understand the process and see um, yeah, basically how the process looks like and maybe see things they didn't expect. And in the targeted analysis, basically they focus on answering their questions. And so what we are mostly talking about here today, just to illustrate this context, is that um, yeah, how are people actually doing these steps, right? Uh, mostly centering around uh, step nine and step 10. And so we are yeah, not looking at the context, but really zooming in in, in much more detail. So um, yeah, so what I understand from from you is that you have actually approached this from uh, from two different angles, right? So by a top down and a bottom up approach. Let's start with the top down approach. How how did you approach it there? Yeah. So. Uh... We actually we have to to separate projects. Okay, uh, my uh, projects were uh, my projects were work in the University of Haifa with uh, Irit Adar uh, and Uri Leron, and we also have a, a PhD student Lital Shalevan, a, a master student Lisa Sorokina, and what we do is to. Um, approach and, and look at how people do process mining uh, through the lens of some 
a cognitive uh, theory, okay? So we take an existing, we actually adapt an existing uh, uh, theory uh, taken from uh, um, cognitive psychology. It's called uh, uh, predictive uh, error minimization. Uh, and we, uh, we use it as a lens uh, for interpreting what people do. And then we can map uh, whatever um, operations are performed by process mining analysts to the cognitive uh, uh, steps, the cognitive pr uh, process, uh, and interpret how uh, this uh, processing mind in their mind uh, is done. And that's, that's our top-down approach. Uh, and the bottom-up is, is uh, the one taken by Barbara. But maybe before we go to the bottom up, you uh, you created a model, right? That um, yes, that yes. basically reflects this um, yeah this concept conceptual model. Yes, yes. So let's let's show that also briefly. Let me bring okay. that up here. Okay. So people can get a sense, like okay, how does this look like? Right, right. What kind of how 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 does such a con cognitive model look like? And yeah, maybe you can explain a little bit. I, the, I will the try steps. to explain. I will try. So first of all, I, I will look at the colors, at the color legend, because we have different colors here and the different colors uh, actually relate to different cognitive operations, uh, which can be taken at very different uh, levels uh, of uh, granularity. Uh, the basic one is when you sense something, then uh, it may be planned or unplanned, but uh, you you get some uh, uh, input, okay? So you you get some you you see something, for example, as you sense something, and even um, subconsciously you you conceptualize. You see this is moving. Oh, perhaps it's a cat, and then there's a prediction. Uh, if it's a cat, it should meow when you approach it, and then you test this prediction and you approach it, but it doesn't meow. Uh, so it may be a dog, uh, and this is uh, uh, the error correction, the the um, turtle uh, step, uh, and then uh, you may test it again. Eventually, you act. Okay, if it's a dog or or if it's a snake, run away. Okay, uh, so so this is like the basic uh, uh, cognitive model, and we take it and adapt it to. Uh, the process mining uh, area. So here, first of all, um, we usually have, this is a planned process, or at least we have some high-level uh, goals, okay? We don't sense reality, we get data, we get the log, and this is like the input. Uh, and so we have a goal, and we have uh, the input data we get. And then we can uh, focus on parts of the goal of the uh, data. We can explore the data and see uh, and look at it from uh, different uh, uh, directions. And of course, we have uh, um, process mining operations attached to each each uh, step. Like exploration uh, is uh, through a visualization, for example or clustering or variant analysis or different techniques can be used for exploring the data. Uh, and then we create some mental models. So we, we try to explain to ourselves what's going on in that data. 
and we can generate hypotheses like we hypothesize that delays are connected to a subset of or something okay or we can generate artifacts for example we can create a process map we can create a filter we can create some kind of uh, analysis and this is where we use a, a, a different process mining tools uh, now once we generate this hypothesis, this hypothesis or create the artifact then we need uh, to test the hypothesis or to assess uh, the results but sometimes it is too high level and then we have before we can test we need to still refine it okay and the model is uh, is is actually recursive because uh, refining the goal is whatever is within this blue uh, rectangle so if we refine the goal then we go into it and we can focus and explore and create mental modeling again and again. Uh, eventually, uh, once we test, we, we get to uh, some concrete hypothesis we can test, or once we created an artifact we can relate to, we may assess the results and see whether they match our expectations or whether they uh, reveal something uh, we didn't know. And, and then, based on this assessment, we, when we may want to go back. We want to um, uh, like refine the goal again, or set another goal, or create another hypothesis, uh, or we may uh, conclude uh, and, and reach our uh, conclusions. So that's the basic uh, uh, cognitive uh, model. And whatever we see when we observe people doing process mining, uh, we try to map uh, whatever we see into these steps so we can understand uh, what part of the process is now uh, taking place. And this is the basis for analysis. It's really interesting to see in this model how this kind of recursive elements yeah. and the loopback that's really reflecting very nicely what we also see in practice a lot that it's really an iterative process, right? It's not Indeed. like a linear thing, but you see something, you have to go back. So it's constantly this kind of iterative loop. So that really Indeed. comes comes back here very much. Yeah. Okay. So now the bottom up approach. How how did how did did this work? Yeah, so essentially the, the project we are working on, it's also a nationally um, funded project by the Swiss Science uh, Foundation. It's taking a very much complementary uh, view to what uh, Nina already explained. So while the approach Nina is taking is pretty much uh, theory driven, so taking this cognitive uh, model as a starting point, we are starting with the data. And we uh, take uh, and we look at um, uh, human behavior um, in different forms, uh, and I think we will talk about that uh, a little bit later in uh, much more detail, so which data sources we are considering in all of that. But the idea is that we are starting from the data and take more an uh, inductive approach where we try um, to, to understand that uh, data. So very similar to what also the process mining discipline itself is doing, taking the event log, the data as a starting point, we want to discover um, essentially taking uh, different approaches, the process of process mining. So how in particular uh, experienced uh, process modelers 
um, minors. Uh, process minors uh, <laughs> uh, approach uh, respective questions. So do exploratory analysis or uh, any you also mentioned the more targeted uh, conformatory analysis, how they approach, the, uh, approach that. With the goal to uh, learn from those experienced uh, minors uh, and to be better able to support uh, more novice users. Yeah, to really understand the workflow, yes. And so let's try to make it concrete. What type of data data collection, yeah, have you have you looked at for this? Yeah, so we are essentially taking, I would say, um, uh, um, yeah, uh, an approach where we are looking at different. Uh, uh, data sources. Of course, we are doing what uh, process miners uh, would do. We are considering interaction data. We are considering event data. In this case, we have uh, application logs uh, coming from uh, some of the uh, of some of the tools, but uh, not all of the uh, uh, tools uh, used in our data collection provide such logs. So in these cases, we are relying on uh, video recordings, which allow us to see what uh, our participants are doing. And we complement that um, within cloud data. Uh, so data about the uh, verbal utterances of users. So what users, um, um, so the reasoning processes uh, uh, of the process miners while engaging in the task. And in addition to even dig deeper, uh, we also uh, have um, uh, interviews with it um, after uh, um, our, our uh, subjects engaged in a concrete process mining task. Yes, and you brought a, a slide where we can see how all these different data sources that you just mentioned, how they are not individually Uh, coll uh, just collected, but also that they can fit together, right? So because you have the, the timestamps of when the data was collected, you can actually lay them on top of each other. So that's, I think, what we see here. Um, exactly. And I think this uh, multi-modal uh, approach to take data collection, I think is essentially exactly what makes uh, our data so rich and so interesting, because this really allows us to triangulate um, each of those uh, approaches um, has uh, strengths and weaknesses and allows us to look at certain aspects. So when we just take the application logs, we can see what users are doing, but we don't know why. But uh, by having those different data sources, we can get a much uh, deeper picture into what users um, are actually doing. So we really have this detailed event data about all the different steps in the in the mining project and and the um, nice the nice thing about it is that you can really slice it uh, as you want so you with the screen recording you can take any abstraction level so anything can become an activity you can look at so many different perspectives uh, which is a super interesting thing it's also maybe a challenge to find exactly what is interesting to look at yeah And that's, uh, yeah, especially from the bottom-up uh, data perspective, right? Because you have this very detailed, rich data from all angles, and then you can yeah, abstract it in many yeah. different ways. And, and what we try to do is to add to that. We, we use the same kind of data, and we also use additional data. We, or at least we try to use it. We started to try uh, in different directions. Uh, but 
what we do is also to add on top of whatever there is there, we try to tag it by uh, the cognitive operation. It should be uh, it should uh, be considered, uh, and then uh, we can uh, uh, discover the process. Okay, use we have a log. Okay, uh, which does not only have uh, operations but also the cognitive operations that are associated to these mining operations and we can uh, like uh, uh, mine the process uh, from a cognitive uh, perspective yeah exactly yeah. and you, you you basically you merge this kind of bottom-up and top-down views right but exactly, exactly basically taking the model again so the conceptual model and you yeah you brought some data to show us how this yeah. looks like when we take this kind of event data back and put this kind of conceptual lens mm -hmm. on it so let's um yeah let's take a look at the example of nina that you that you brought so let me see so if i go to disco here we can see the data and maybe we can explain a little bit the the meaning of the different columns right so this is the the conceptual model category what we saw with the different colors in the slide right before is this correct exactly exactly yeah And and then uh, so and these are the activities. So yes. when you when we look at these as uh, activities, and of course the subject who is or the analyst who is doing uh, the analysis is a case ID. Then we have a log. Yeah, okay. we have times. Yeah, and some details. So there's some kind of more kind of notes or some yeah. kind of mapping, right? But we will use the conceptual category as the as the activity. Mm -hmm. And now yeah. when we import. Yeah, we can, there's an empty row, so Disco warns us about that, that's fine, it's just one. And now we, we have the model, right? There's this one which is empty at the bottom, so yeah, we, we yeah. can actually remove that. Let me remove yeah, that. Yeah, it should so we, be removed, it should be removed. Uh, we get more visibility on the on the real process if we do that, so. Yeah. So this is this is the model, right? So I can yeah, zoom and in a little bit. If, uh, if you can, if you can uh, look at, you, you can see, Of course, the activities correspond to, to the steps because we tagged uh, the operations with uh, the cognitive steps, but you can see that uh, it, it is actually quite similar to what we had in the, uh, like the, the theoretical model. And uh, you can see a lot, a lot of exploration. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for example, this is like the most prevalent uh, in, in, in this uh, uh, process. And you can also say that uh, um, like it starts either by uh, trying to understand what, what to do or by setting a goal, okay? Uh, and then uh, th th there are the, the steps, yeah. more or less. And And really, what I really liked also about this data set, now let me show you in the animation, I think we can see it really nicely. And let's use the the um, synchronized start times. So all the cases start at the same time. So we kind of see like how over time what they're doing is you see this kind of iterative mm -hmm. nature, right? So here you see, first of all, the the exploration. Yeah, that's but very then, nice. Mm -hmm. But then you really see how it's coming back also to the task understanding here. Huh? So exactly this kind of loop that you've shown before mm -hmm. on the slide is really happening in real life of course yes yes 
That's really nice. I, I didn't look at it today. Yeah. <laughs> so this is new to me. Yeah. yeah. So this is the basically the top down view. Mm -hmm. um, yeah projected on the on the data that you have collected yeah. and um, yeah and we also have the bottom-up view but before I think Pnina you had a slide uh, where we can see kind of in more detail maybe the yeah like two different kind of oh yes ways we, of working, we, we right? try to we um, this is uh, data taken from students, not the uh, the process mining uh, uh, experienced people, uh, but this is only students' data. And here are two different groups, okay, where we separated them by uh, how uh, full the process is. So on the left, we have... Um, um, cases or subjects who uh, used uh, all, all the cognitive uh, operations, all the steps. They conceptualized and they explored and they uh, um, created the hypothesis and, and they tested hypotheses. Uh, so this is a group of students who uh, actually followed uh, the entire process, the full process uh, as we uh, as in the theory. And the, the, the other group uh, they took a partial process, okay? They didn't conceptualize, they did not uh, generate hypotheses, they did not test hypotheses. What they did is to explore, basically, mostly to explore. And they looked and they thought and then, and then, and then they decided, okay, they concluded. So the cognitive process is uh, is not full, and we also have another slide where we may talk about it later, where we show differences in performance uh, between those who employ the full cognitive model and uh, those who only uh, employ part of it. So it's possible to see differences in the actual performance of uh, like the analysis results. And I will. I, I can discuss this later on. Thank you very much. I think it's, it's very interesting, very clear, kind of different modes that we mm -hmm. that we see back here. Okay, so then let's now look at the bottom-up data, right? So, like in contrast. Uh, so I imported that already, so we can we can go back. So this is the full data set, and it's not even yeah, wow. it's, <laughs> it's not even all of the path, right? We could make it more complex if we wanted to, but yeah. So this is like really detailed because it's collecting all of the different steps people really do and which views um, they use in the process mining tools and also if they go outside of the process mining tools, right? So to make it a little bit simpler, I prepared, for example, one view here where we can see some disco interactions. And here you can see, for example, some people came, they were doing something in prom, uh, looking, for example, at the inductive visual miner, and then, um, yeah, they went to disco, right? Or from disco, they imported the data, they go to the process map, and then they go outside again, the process mining tool, and write some things down in the notepad editor. So it's, you see this kind of workflow in, in detail in the tool, like what are they doing in the tool, but also outside um, and around it a little bit. And what is also really interesting in this 
uh, data set here is you made the also kind of a generic view, right, Francesca, where you yes. basically, can you, can you explain what this means? Yeah, absolutely. So we did start initially, we wanted to get from the videos what is the observable behavior. So we did have to create logs based on what we noticed, what tool function uh, our participants were used. And then we wanted to make it consistent across different tools. So what you see there is exactly a more abstract and generic view. And, and it's what I, it links to what I said before, that we can really have different levels of abstraction. So this is something that typically, we, as you see, you have to go outside and import that again because we have to work on the granularity of the activities we want to show. And here, what you're seeing, I think, is the behavior of, I think, 30, 30 people uh, that we managed to condense in an alphabet using an alphabet of 10 different activities, 10 or 11, not more. And it was really an analysis task, so they had to go through a log, maybe understand it a little bit at the beginning, and then really trying to answer a question. And what you see as outside the process mining tool was either documentation that they were used, for example, they were using to support um, their analysis and also the, the, the note-taking parts. Or using even sometimes Excel, SQL, calculators, all sorts of things like to complement their analysis. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, 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 I think it's especially interesting to see these next to each other, right? This top-down conceptual view, and then this really based on what are people actually doing. Yeah. Yes, and what you see there, as I said, is only the tool functions. We also have similar processes, for example, for analysis artifacts, so objects, information objects that people use, um, visual artifacts, so anything that was helping them to go through the analysis. And it's nice to, to see that. We will see a bit later how we also use the other data sources to provide a little bit of context because yeah, it's very to hard uh, to let's... explain only based on the patterns. This is this slide, right, where you can explain how you enrich. Maybe, yeah, it's coming up now. Yeah, so here, this is one example. I think we, um, so where you see still the tool function so we coded over time uh, what uh, tool function the, the participant was using and we used the sync allowed data to really explain or provide information about why something is used because here i think we see the person is filtering something maybe we can see what activity is filtering but we don't know the goal or the intention of the participants at that point. So the sync allow data is really um, synchronized. We get it from the video. So it's really synchronizing time with what we can see. On top, we also use the interview data. In this case, you see a strategy, an example of strategy where the participants explains how they, for example, combine different process mining tools for sanity check, for really making sure that their findings are, findings are correct. And so we can give an explanation, for example, of why the person stopped using Disco, went and uh, typed something into Bupar, and then took screenshots in both tools and really observed the results. So with the interview, we can really explain this behavior that I would say otherwise would be very hard to, yeah, to, to understand. Why would someone just change or switch tool um, in the middle of an analysis 
like so quickly. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. In, in general, I think this whole approach of, like you're saying here with this think aloud data, I think the first time that I heard about it is that it was uh, used in the concept of observing how people model processes, right? I'm not sure whether you were also involved in that type of research, but it's, it's really more empirical research. And then, yeah, you get this very rich um, data where people just talk out loud what they say. Yes, Barbara and, then, and I uh, <laughs> did this kind of research before. For modeling. Yeah. 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 Yes. yeah. So then, yeah, you had already all the, the methodology ready for how to do this. Uh, yes. Right. And yes. And I think what we learned back then, I think we started looking at the process of uh, how people model and we only had interaction data. Mm -hmm. And then at some point we had a, 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 yeah, a, a, a nice overview of what people do, but we could not always understand the reasoning behind it. So it was very hard to interpret. And then I think then we started to add uh, different perspectives to add think aloud data and back then also some uh, some eye tracking. Yeah, which also relates to something we intend to do here. <laughs> yeah, the eye tracking. Exactly. We also have, yeah. Pina, you brought kind of two slides that, that show a little bit. Uh, so I'm going back and forth between them a little bit. So when we see them, you can see. Yeah. Yeah. Also different data sources. Right. Can you explain? Yeah. So this. Um, we just try to explore how to do it in mo uh, the moment. Uh, we collected some pilot data from students uh, and we have here an environment where we see not only the interaction, but we can also see uh, the screen and the, the mouse uh, as it moves. We can see uh, the Uh, eyesight, the, uh, there's an eye tracking. Uh, you see the uh, the circles show exactly where the eyes fixate at the moment. Okay. So is this uh, the yellow circle? The yellow, the circle? yellow circles show exactly where uh, the eyes are focused at the moment, and and through the video you can see how the eyes move, um, and then. Um, Uh, on the right, you can see the subject uh, whose face is concealed here uh, for privacy. And uh, at the bottom, you see all these charts. Uh, they are emotion uh, um, uh, trackers, uh, which each, each uh, chart relates to a different emotion, uh, like uh, confusion, joy, Uh, and this kind of stuff, and you can see, and, and this is tracked from the facial expression of the subject, okay? Automatically tracked from the facial expressions of the subject, and you, you can see along the time uh, how these emotions uh, rise at certain uh, uh, moments. Uh, so, so if, uh, like Francesca and Barbara talked about uh, multimodality of the data, so here, here are additional modes, and um, we try to somehow link them also to the cognitive operations and see where in the cognitive process there is confusion, okay? Or uh, perhaps a, typically confusion comes if you did not, um, I don't know, conceptualize before. Uh, we, we will try to look for this kind of patterns 
still very, very far from it. Uh, so this is just a beginning and, and, and a vision. Where the idea is that eventually this uh, should uh, support online um, understanding of, I mean, uh, to, to give an online support to the uh, analyst. If, if uh, the uh, facial expression trackers uh, tracks uh, uh, confusion uh, at a certain step, uh, it may say something. Okay, we may we may have some recommendation, but this is very very far. Uh, but this is the idea. Still a little bit of science fiction today, but that's <laughs> of, always with research, right? You work on really questions for tomorrow. Otherwise, otherwise, uh, what would we do? <laughs> but the eye tracking is very useful, also if you want to, for example, yes. really go deeper into one part of the tool, like a visualization, how it is used. I think uh, something we couldn't get uh, from the video sometimes unless you really follow the mouse, but it's not so clear to, to see what the person is looking at, especially mm -hmm. when they are looking at the DFG. Um, yeah, are they looking at the sequence between tasks? Are they looking to one particular activity? And I think the eye, eye tracking is even more fine-grained in that sense. Yes, yes. But yeah, but we need, we, we're still working out on how to analyze this. Yes. Yeah. Again, many different directions. Probably you can you can go and aggregate it and look for patterns. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yes, and well, it's it's. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I, I've ever seen a, a rich data set as rich as this is with all of these different dimensions. And then even on top of that, you're not just observing from all angles, but then you also still ask people afterwards, right? So you have the, the opportunity if there's something that maybe you don't understand, like mm -hmm. why did they do that? You still have the option to, to ask them like in an interview. Yeah, exactly. And this also gives us at least uh, with our first data collection, it gave us the opportunity to generalize a little bit because we had a process mining task and what we can get from the sync cloud is really the current state of things. But then to know if uh, in the working practice of our participants, some things are happening or not, or are there different um, variants, let's say, to the behavior that something gets much, um, much easier to get with interviews. We can put things into context. We can learn about uh, problems, uh, strategies that maybe work in specific application domains. And all these things are much, uh, would be much harder to observe in a study, in a controlled study. We would need to really um, yeah, <laughs> be physically in so many companies. And, and so with interviews, we can really reach or get hold of all this information. Exactly. And you brought an example for that too, right? Let me... Let yes. Me bring that up. So here you have an example from the from the interview-based research. Mm, not oh. yeah. updating now. I think yes. Yeah. So Barbara, do you want to comment on that? Uh, yeah. So maybe I can start from Fitzka and then you can uh, jump in. So uh, so what we uh, 
what we did here. I'm mainly uh, um, one of the uh, one of our uh, PhD students, so uh, uh, Lisa Zimmermann, looked at the interviews and especially looked into challenges um, related to the different uh, phases of the process uh, uh, mining pro uh, process. Francesca mentioned previously that the advantage of interviews is that we could look at things a little bit more broadly. So um, what came up were uh, not just challenges related now to uh, the analysis itself, but we obtained uh, overall 23 challenges um, um, which we could associate with the different phases um, of the um, process mining uh, process. So here you can, for example, see one of the challenges regarding one of the earlier steps. I think, Anna, in your model, it was step number three, which relates to the formulation of a concrete uh, research question. Um, and uh, yeah, overall 23 uh, different challenges. And I will now uh, hand over to uh, Francesca for some more details because it also very nicely links to some uh, 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 follow-up work uh, Francesca then drove. Yeah, so what you see here, as Barbara mentioned, is the challenge of question formulation in particular. And it was uh, for us very interesting to know how crucial this phase is. So it's crucial because it does guide the project. It really, it's one of the crucial phases of planning. I'm sure that Pnina also has that in her model. Yeah. But at the same time, in practice, there are, um, yeah, there is a difficulty in mapping um, stakeholder requirements to, to the data. So to really formulate a concrete question or um, question that can be answered with process mining is very challenges, challenging. And in some cases, what we learned is that um, we don't have a question to start from. We really want to start from the data. We want to explore the data. And, and by exploring, we, we raise questions. Yes. So this was for us very interesting to, to see. So with the interview research, I think the advantage is that we, we learn about problems that are then so interesting to be explored individually with, with additional research. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe just to, to jump in here and, and um, add to that from what we see in practice, that's indeed the case. It's that even that if people think they have a clear question or an analysis question, usually yeah and then once they start analyzing they realize mm -hmm. okay it's not it's not that clear yet and they often have to go at least three to five levels deep basically exactly going through those iterations that we have seen in the in the conceptual model to really arrive at the concrete questions that they can then also answer because yeah only once you start really making it concrete you notice how things are still ambiguous and not as clear yeah. and defined as you might have thought right And also, Anna, you mentioned at the beginning of uh, of the intro, so these are uh, two different types of analysis, exploratory analysis, where we take the data and we look what is interesting, and also the more targeted analysis. So, and I think process mining is a great tool, especially in that exploratory phase to really generate questions. While yeah. in the more targeted analysis, you probably already need some questions you want to answer. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's really both in my experience. So in the explorative phase, on the one hand side, 
you learn about maybe you discover some questions you didn't even know you had right so some some question you would never have you would never have have asked you you see some patterns that you didn't expect but at the same time it's also really about finding the right models so francesca what you said before eh, the data that you have now for this analysis is very detailed you can aggregate it and simplify it in many different ways you can import it in different ways so looking at it from these different angles then helps to find the right levels or mm. multiple levels that you want to that you want to use then ultimately to answer the questions again so it's uh, i think really important mm. this explorative analysis for both of these objectives yep St still i find it super interesting that most methods uh, always uh, talk about i mean that you start with the question and uh, process mining is, no, is not so much positioned mm -hmm. as this uh, great tool of um, generating questions and uh, finding stuff that is potentially interesting to analyze. Yeah, it's true. I think one of the reasons why we always also recommend to really start by thinking about some questions is that if you don't have any questions at all, it's really hard <laughs> to see anything because then you see like this really complex map And if you don't have the domain knowledge and therefore you don't have questions or, yeah, then you yeah, also don't usually, know what you're looking Usually for. in life you have some business goal. Yeah, okay? exactly. Uh, yes. And it's it's not even concrete enough to ask questions. So you you derive questions both from your goal and from the data. You yeah. look at the data, you you discover patterns and then you, you try to make sense and do to uh, refine and and raise more questions. Yeah, exactly. And exactly what you're saying is what you usually see if a person who has like this um, yeah, knowledge about the process or is a domain expert, what they can do very well. It's very difficult for a person who doesn't know the process, who's like, have, gets some data, but they don't know anything about the data, then it's really hard for them to come up with questions and they can maybe look for some general statistics, but... Yeah, it's not so, it's more, more challenging there, yeah. But we also found that it depends a lot on the domain. Like, for example, in healthcare, already showing a directly photograph, even if you don't have much domain knowledge, you, you show that you sort of um, provide this a process of aware, aware view that was mm -hmm. maybe not there before. And this is already perceived as something very valuable. Compare, for example, in domains like auditing, where the analysis is really about finding um, deviations also. There you really already know what you want to detect in a way, like you have precise constraints. Sometimes just giving this overview really helps uh, shifting the thoughts from something that's fully data aware to, to the process aware methods, where, where process mining actually sits. Yeah, that's an interesting dimension maybe that one could also consider, right? Looking at differences between how different groups, like mm -hmm. how auditors analyze versus particular industries like healthcare or um, manufacturing, whether there are any differences, how people approach the process yeah, analysis. Yeah, could be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we, we saw in our analysis that not only, I mean, that the group of that the, the domain matters but uh, Francesca when analyzing the data also noticed that it very much the analysis very much depends on the type of type of question that is that is around of course yes it's so so much aligned and what it what is very interesting it was very interesting for us to 
to learn that persist mining does not fit, does not help to answer all of these questions. And sometimes it is hard to admit that and to, yeah, we learned that's also a reason for why sometimes we have a persist mining tool in place, but we still want to use some other tool to complement because it's much faster to write an SQL query for, for some answers. Yeah. And so it would be super nice to have even a mapping like between questions, techniques, what can we do? Uh, because it doesn't seem to be so clear. Probably experts know, but in methodologies, this is something that is not well well covered or well explained for, for novices. That's true, yeah. I, 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 especially like the example of auditors, for example, is, is like one area where maybe they explore at first, but once they have the questions defined, there are these audit query tools where they can program things and check automatically. And at, at a certain point in time, when you really know the process and everything that can happen, maybe the exploration is becoming less important for these types of use cases. So you switch to other tools. Yeah, that's an mm -hmm. interesting point. Yeah, when you, when you want to do some quantitative uh, analysis and, and uh, measurement, Uh, sometimes process mining tools are not equipped for exactly what you want to do, and and you can always use tools like uh, SQL, which can give you precise answers to to whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's interesting. So now basically we close the loop. So we are back to the level where we started, where we are really looking at the, the whole uh, prospecting project steps and phases that we go through. So we looked at the 12-step process there and basically zooming out again from just the analysis phase to the overall um, yeah, the, the, the methodology. And that's also, I think, where, uh, Pnina, you mentioned at the beginning where you saw some differences for how people approach um, yeah, their kind of cross-mining project uh, and that you that you can see some differences there, how successful they are, right? So should we, yes, should we bring yes. that example now? Maybe yes, yes. So, so we gave, uh, um, we had like two, two populations here. Uh, do you have it there? Mm, so it's coming up now, I think. Yeah, there are there are students yeah. um, who uh, whose data we collected, and we also used some of uh, Barbara's and Francesca's um, uh, data of experienced analysts, uh, um, and well, they they were doing the same task actually, and so we tried to grade. Uh, The, the outcome of their analysis. So we gave them grades, okay? And so you can see uh, on the right side, the grade. Now what you can see, the colors actually uh, represent groups, different groups of uh, processes, okay? Where the purple ones uh, are uh, the ones that took the entire process, okay? And the other colors omitted parts. And then we did some uh, uh, statistical analysis, trying to um, connect uh, the or correlate uh, the grades, the which actually uh, indicate how successful the analysis was uh, with the strategy, the overall strategy, whether they took the entire process or whether they took part of the uh, followed part of the process. And we got uh, some uh, the statistical significant significance. <clears throat> the, 
that uh, those who, who fully follow the process perform better than those who follow it partly, considering both uh, the, the entire population, I mean, both students and experienced analysts. Uh, and when we consider the different groups separately, then we get a significant, statistically significant result only for the students and not for the experienced analysts. And this is, I think, interesting because experienced analysts, I guess, uh, can compensate for not explicitly going through all the phases and they, and they uh, have uh, their own heuristics of how to uh, conclude based on, uh, I don't know, explorative uh, analysis. Uh, still, uh, I, I would like to note that uh, the, the sample size of the experienced analyst is smaller than uh, that of the students, so perhaps if we had some more observations, uh, this would be significant as well. Currently, we can say that for students, definitely, um, the, the ones who follow uh, the full process uh, perform better than the ones who don't. And uh, generally, if we take the entire population, we can also say it. Uh, I think it is very interesting and it indicates the power of uh, interpreting these observations and, and, and labeling them according to, to, to these cognitive steps. And these are only initial results, so we hope to get some more. <laughs> Great. Really interesting. It's yeah, thanks a lot for yeah, sharing all these um, ongoing research initiatives. And I understand some of these things are still ongoing, and there will be much more research, let's say, in this direction. It's really like an area in the whole process money research area that is kind of focusing on this type of methodology research. So I think yeah, very relevant also for for practitioners and better understanding how how people work. Um, I think it's yeah. also it's also. I mean, if you are aware of this. And you um, you take notice of what you do, uh, and you are aware of the process you're doing, even without anything else. This may uh, help you think better. Yeah. yeah. Just because you know what's important, you mean, or just because you you pay attention to to the steps you take, you you pay attention, and yeah, I I think you, you don't just. Okay, here's the data, and here's what I do. And uh, but if you kind of reflect, you reflect on on what you do as you do it, you may do it slightly different. And and I think there's also super interesting implications for tool development because yeah. I mean when so we've seen in Plinus data that uh, following that cognitive process leads to better performance. So uh, if this is, uh, I would say, better adopted in existing uh, tools and users are guided to follow such a process, um, I think that could really have some very nice practical impacts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really understanding the workflow and providing better support for the actual, actual workflow of the analysis, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, really interesting. Um, yeah, so 
for those of you watching, let us know if you have any questions for uh, for Francesca, Prina, and Barbara. Um, so we, yeah, like what like, like we always do, we will of course link all the 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 links to the publications for the research that we have mentioned here. So once we publish the recording, um, you will find the detailed papers for all of this. So either if you're a researcher who's maybe interested in this type of research area, you can read up on on the work that has been done and. Um, Or if you are just a, a practitioner, we know many of you practitioners out there are interested in um, yeah, what researchers are, are, are working on in the prosmining field. So then you can you can read them and get a, get a good overview. So yeah, you will receive those. And um, yeah, so it's, all of these are different kind of research initiatives that nicely fit together. And I think we do have time, right? There's one more uh, area, I think, Francesca, that you are working on. So yeah, maybe we can... We can also take a look at that. Let me bring up the slide that you you brought for that. Yes. So it should come up now. Yes. Yes. So this is actually a result of a nice collaboration also also with our colleagues in Utrecht, uh, Utrecht University. And it's really, so what I said before, we, we saw these challenges around questions and we decided this is really like questions are one of the critical aspects of the process of process mining and we want to look deeper into them. And so what we did with this work was um, going deeper into, inter into the interviews, only looking for um, parts where we had some information about how questions are developed within a process mining project. So compared to what you showed us in the beginning, we don't only have one phase where we define our questions, but we really looked at the evolution of a question within a project. And we discovered two main phases that are typically not so, um, so well covered uh, by methodological work. And one is the uh, formulation part, And the second one is really the question refinement. And when I say they're not well covered, um, it's because the way we look at them was uh, how we can use process mining to support these phases. So not how we can simply formulate a question for a process mining project, but how does the uh, process mining analysis can allow us to, to come up with a question. And for example, if you look deeper, you see a lot of exploratory analysis there. So in the, in the paper itself, there are more detailed steps. But the idea is really that when we start from the data, we have um, gigabytes of data we have to make sense of. The sense-making phase, the questions that we raised about our data set, are already sparking this interaction with stakeholders. And they already help to, to formulate some questions, to put some questions on the table for, for later analyses. And then in, in other phases of the project, we, we really use process mining to refine them. So for example, we, um, from a broad question, we can pick out hypotheses. We can use a predefined analysis or dashboard really to get um, conversations started. So there are several um, ways of actually coming up with questions and refining them that are implicitly, in a way, supported by, by process mining analyses. Mm. And we, we managed to derive some recommendations out of the interviews, and we also invite the community to have a look at them and contribute to make them more tangible, because we always, we had a, 
a, a large a set of interviews, but I think uh, if everyone contributes uh, such recommendations and similar recommendations can really become much more impactful for, for practice. Yeah, absolutely. We will, we will link to that. I, I have a question. So you mentioned that um, in this uh, phase of making sense of the data that you already involve also stakeholders. And yeah, that's, of course, to understand what the data means. And maybe yeah, also, like we mentioned before, to, to have good questions, you have to have some understanding of the domain knowledge behind it. Um, did you see anything about um, yeah, basically mixing the data validation and the, the analysis questions or how to keep this separate? Because one of the things that we sometimes see is that if you go too quickly with the actual stakeholders on the business side into the analysis phase and you have still data quality problems, then this can actually be problematic because then you see things that are not really true and this can erode trust. So it's yeah, one of the practices that we suggest to people that they have a very deliberate kind of data validation phase, which they carry out with the stakeholders and the business um, context, but deliberately say, well, we are not about analyzing yet. We first have to make sure the data is good. And this also increases the trust. And so I was wondering if that came up at all in these types of... Absolutely. But I think it came up in a different way. So the data quality questions are actually leading to then analysis questions. because. Okay. If I have a missing value in my data, I wonder as an analyst, is this a data quality problem? Is this that something has not been recorded properly? And then you go to the domain expert and the domain expert knows exactly, ah, but in this step, we don't have a system that records. Or this step is typically done in this and this way. And from that conversation is where you actually then get analysis questions. So that's yeah. something we noticed. Yeah. yeah, in 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 my view, I consider it as different goals, and this is something which which is one of my goals at the moment. But I, I'm not there yet. Uh, uh, but we want to uh, establish a bank of goals uh, that should be followed. Followed, and uh, data validation and establishing data quality is one of the uh, first goals to be followed in such a project. Yeah. So it's explicitly making it one of the goals <clears throat> yeah, then exactly. promotes it on the same level, uh, you mean? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really important, yes. Mm -hmm. Is there anything, I'm wondering, maybe as a last question, is there anything that surprised you in this in this whole study of how are people analyzing and doing their cross-mining analysis something you didn't expect um, you surprised me now <laughs> I, I shouldn't say so for me everything was surprising because i i kind of went into process mining with this project what surprised me was the how easy how nice it is to learn just by observing experts doing their work This was for me the best, yeah. best uh, takeaway. So I had to oversee the data collection, really watching, really going through the thinking process of all of our participants. And this was for me the best way of learning. So you're a cross mining expert now by watching <laughs> yes. all of these people. <laughs> I will not call myself an expert, but definitely it was it was great experience. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Anything else that surprised you Nina and Barbara of course you're in this area for a long time so probably maybe you have seen everything already 
before? Uh, so what 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 I found uh, 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 quite uh, quite interesting. So when Francesca analyzed the data, and uh, uh, um, and and uh, and you and digged a little bit uh, uh, deeper into the question, um, that people couldn't agree whether the question we posed is a broad or rather general question. Um, because, uh, because they are coming from so different backgrounds, so someone from auditing might be used to much more specific questions than the one um, uh, we posed. While some people were, uh, yeah, and other people were saying, if I would ever have such a nice specific question, I would be rather happy. Usually people tell me uh, there is the 40, 40 gigabyte of data now sort of make sense out of it. Um, and this I found very um, interesting that um, that there are so many different perceptions depending on um, how people work, which roles they have, for which application scenarios they are using process mining. Yeah, that, uh, it's, it's a really interesting point. I have to think because you mentioned the auditors, we had a a presentation at Post Mining Camp um, by the city of Vienna and they really also defined very clearly they had a list of questions and that's a little bit the situation that you're describing you think oh that's already very concrete but then they went one step further and they really defined exactly the baseline with respect to what percentages like how can it be measured exactly giving basically the blueprint so that anyone could answer that question and would arrive at the same answer right where Other, in other times, it's much more vague and still has some some room for interpretation. Interesting. Yeah. So, so for me, if I try to think, what surprised me that we we went through all this think aloud, where people like uh, uh, think aloud and say uh, what they're doing, it's so um, it's easier, much easier for people to say what they're doing now then to say why they do it uh, or to to uh, say what they aim at mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's easy for them to say okay so now I check this I will check that I will but but why are you doing what are you trying to get okay yeah. what is your goal it's 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 much more difficult and you cannot see it yeah Interesting. I never participated in such a research. So I'm, I'm also wondering if it's kind of multitasking. So do, is it easy for them to just say what they're doing or do they have to do you have to remind them to please? Francesca reminds them. Yeah, <laughs> it really depends on the person. But I think I would I, I, I was a participant myself and it's very, yeah, it's very hard to verbalize what you're doing, your thoughts and at the same time doing things. Yeah, yeah exactly. So but some people are naturally not really very good at that maybe maybe the experience helps yeah. okay great well well thanks so much for uh, for joining us here today and sharing um, all of these interesting research projects um, thank you Prina thank you Francesca thank you Barbara thank you, thank you for inviting us Anne. yes of course yes. thanks for having us <laughs> It was our pleasure. We uh, look forward to hearing maybe how it goes. Maybe you know, we can be back sometime and to see how this research area has uh, further developed. So let's stay in touch about it. Um, yeah, and like like we said, we will link to all of the research so you all out there can uh, 
read up on the process of process mining. And thank you all for joining us here today and um, yeah, being part of this new process mining cafe. Uh, we will be back in December with another process mining cafe about process mining in audit. So until then, um, see you the next time. Bye. 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 Bye.